<sighs> Those are electrolytes going into my body. In case you're wondering, see, I, I'm on the keto diet, and I've done this before, and every time I transition to keto diet, I get the keto flu, which is bad, bad headache, bad stomach ache. Well, I talked to my brother about it, who's a keto expert, and he said, just drink electrolytes. So I'm drinking electrolytes, and it's helping, and I don't really exactly know what electrolytes are, but they sure are helping. I want to tell y'all three things before you listen to this episode. One, I want to pat myself on the back. I mixed and edited this whole episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. All right, stop, stop. Yeah, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. Okay, okay. Stop, stop, stop. So for those of you that follow me closely, you know that when I was with the Bad Christian Podcast, I was more of a content community guy. I didn't touch the mixing. Thank you, Lord. And then with Pastor With No Answers, I've had just the greatest, greatest privilege of doing this with my brother. He was a co-host of this show, and now he's still with us, and he does all the editing. So I've never had to touch it. I've been a podcaster of eight years, and I've never had to mix my own podcast. Well, I'm getting a new job. Yes, like a new full-time job. I don't want to get into it right now. Let's say next week. I'll tell you about it next week. Cool? Cool. But in my job, it's not a requirement for me to be able to mix and edit podcast episodes, but it sure is going to come in handy. So I flew out to Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton area where my brother lives, and he taught me how to do it. Gave me some training. So I'm excited. I have that skill now. Yes. Secondly, my Patreon for Pastor With No Answers has been completely revamped. Go check out the Collector's Plate tier of giving. I think it's got a lot of cool stuff in there. and would love to have you along. It's in the show notes. And last but not least, Derek Webb's music is highlighted through this episode, except for the theme song being from the great Derek Minor. But these Derek Webb songs are demo versions of his future release called The Jesus Hypothesis. God bless and have a nice one. I love you and you love me and we're a podcast family with a knickknack paddywhack. Give a dog a bone. What is a knickknack paddywhack? What is a knickknack paddywhack? As kids, we just sang this stuff. We don't even know what the heck a knickknack paddywhack is. I'm not sure, but I don't recall anyone in my kindergarten class raising their hand and saying, excuse me, what is a knickknack paddywhack? <laughs> but if you are listening to this podcast, you know that that's basically all we do is questions. We just that's what we do. The pastor with no answers. If I don't have any answers and I'm talking my ass off, then what am I talking about? Questions. You got folks. And it's interesting. It's like us more progressive thinkers. I hate that terminology, but you know what it means. So I say it. It's efficient. Those of us that are deconstructing, I hate that terminology too. But you know what it means, so we say it. It's efficient. You get it. You know what we're talking about. It's like we sometimes see ourselves as on this unique road, and in many ways we are. We're asking questions that some people aren't willing to ask out of conviction, sometimes out of fear. We're going in unique directions, but as far as the questions in general, no siree. I just, it's, it's just the norm. So check this out.
a pastor friend of mine. He has a Southern Baptist upbringing. He's pastoring a big old evangelical church, and he had one of those situations where everybody prayed, everyone had faith, everyone rallied around this family. Everyone said the same thing. This would be catastrophic and devastating if this person dies. Please, God, don't let this person die. We're believing. And you said that if we ask and believe, we shall receive, and that person died. And my friend is literally like, I don't even know. I don't. Am I a deist? A current evangelical pastor wondering, am I a deist? I don't know what I think about prayer. Same thing happened to me four years ago. Same sort of scenario. And from that point on, I was seriously like, I am okay with saying, I do not know how in the world prayer works. I don't think we can have an answer. Sometimes it works. Maybe it's just for our personal relationship. I don't think I've ever prayed a miraculous prayer and God delivered on that. I just, I just am okay with saying, I think prayer may be a mystery for the rest of my life, but hey, we're not alone. Like we are all in this together and sometimes we hold on for dear life. Other times we smile and wonder, how can I ever not believe I am very happy that you are on this journey with me. So some patrons of this podcast are on this journey in a little deeper level. And every single month, we help a family in a developing country through donorcy. We literally meet needs of people. We've saved two lives of babies who needed emergency surgery. We've bought classroom supplies so a class can have some good materials and things to help them be educated. Most recently, we bought a freaking oven for some a mother who cooks over flames and that's not healthy. The smoke from the flames is not healthy. So now she has a stove. And thank you so much, patrons, for doing this with me. I really, really love it. So I do want to welcome one new patron to the patron family, and his name is Peter Morris. And check out what Peter said. Thanks for doing what you do. I started listening to Bad Christian in 2018, and then last year around January, I was very excited when I found out you were doing Pastor With No Answers. It has been very encouraging in my life. I do skateboard ministry and want to serve the Lord, but I've had to reshape my faith and the way that I look at the world the past couple of years. Thanks for helping me learn and making me laugh. Well, a big H to the Y on that. If my guests can help you learn and we can all make you laugh, then at the end of the day, I smile and I love Pastor With No Answers podcast because of that right there. Thank you for letting me know. It's really cool to hear from you and it's good to have you on the patron family. So we got a couple things going on. We got Jack and Ellen talking about speaking in tongues. And then we have the legend himself, Derek Webb. I love y'all very much. Hope you enjoy. Bye-bye. Some saviors across like some gods deserve atheists like some gods deserve Jack, you don't believe in speaking in tongues, do you? Like, I think that was episode two of Pastor With No Answers is Pentecostal Holy Roller Chip Judd speaking in tongues guy and Jack. Did you don't he speak in, in tongues I was on telling, the podcast? That would be awesome. No, that no. would. That would. You know, what, I, what I would say I really believe in is making Chip mad. And so <laughs> that could have been some of the impetus there. 
I, so I was I was telling I was telling you're going to think this is hilarious. I was telling Ellen and some other friends that were in community with online that I think that I speak in tongues and I'm okay with and I'm sorry. okay with that because I f- no laugh all you want. I feel I think I speak like Spanish, but whether, I don't. I know three words. All right, listen, listen. Whether or not I'm speaking in tongues, I am still focused on God. It's still meditation. Now, I really do believe I'm speaking in tongues. It's the same sorts of noises and syllables that have come out of me for 30 years. I mean, and I really don't feel like I made them up. Could have made them up, but no matter what, I'm engaging with God, right? I mean, he God could be like, wow, that's kind of crazy that Joey thinks that this is something supernatural, but he's thinking about me. So I don't care. I think I speak yeah, in tongues. But there's, there's a big difference between like jibber-jabbering and meditating and it being something miraculous and magical and superhuman i mean what you're talking about to me is just you've got some little shit about hondas that you say over and over while you pray like that doesn't that's not impactful that doesn't mean anything when people talk about speaking in tongues is it like is there really a thing is there are there really interpreters and if I was to speak yeah. in tongues and Jack, you know, the interpreter, would he, how would I, how would anybody know that he's not taking advantage making of stuff up. making shit? It doesn't because no, literally no one knows what that is. Yeah. 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 Now, Jack, am I right to say that there's a little debate here with what current tongues are in the church some people say, look, the the whole Acts thing with people legit speaking a different language that they did not know, that's not the typical thing that people are doing when they're saying shit about a Honda, like Ellen said. But the shit about a Honda is the inexpressible groanings of the spirit that Paul refers to. Is that is that accurate to say that some people would 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 distinguish those two things from? Um, yeah. Well, I guess my snarky response is if they're inexpressible groanings, you shouldn't be trying to express them. Um, <laughs> In public at least. Oh, um, for sure. For sure. But, I think, I think it's a personal thing. I think well, it's a personal connection thing. So basically the, the, the idea is like when you, when you look at the new Testament um, it's either when people are speaking tongues, it's either just earthly languages um, or, it is like, like, and the presumption is that they've sort of been supernaturally gifted to like, they suddenly learn, you know, know another language or it's heavenly language. And some people say, Oh, it's all heavenly language. Some people say it's all, Oh, it's all earthly language. Some people say it's a mix. So that's basically the breakdown. Um, I, I, well, so my, my view is, it is so obvious that a lot of it is, is earthly languages like acts to, that's just what's happening in Acts 2. It's because everyone says, oh, we hear them in our own languages. So that's that there. 
Um, in terms of the idea of like, was Adam, that supernatural though? Did God? Yes. Did God impart? Okay. Well, okay. but I've also got no problem with the idea that God, God can do that. Super, like God can do a lot of things supernaturally, and so um, no issues there. Uh, and I think you know my my thing with miraculous gifts in the church overall is that I think miraculous giftings for the church, because like the, oh, they're for all time. And my thing is yes and no. I think that um, when you see reports of miraculous things happening today, it's always interesting to me how it is almost always, uh, it always, it almost always accompanies the gospel going into a new place. And I think that supernatural giftings operate um, the way they did in the new Testament, which is to establish God's authority. Um, and those like, oh, you know, this this church, this community is operating under the, the authority of God because all these miraculous things are happening. And so it's like, yeah, of course, you don't. I wouldn't expect to see miraculous gifts happening in, in places like America where the church has been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. The yeah no, been established. Like but in terms of like speaking in tongues in heavenly language, I I went through a period where I thought I spoke in tongues. Um, and I I guess my thing is <laughs> I just don't buy it. Um, and I don't buy it for a few reasons. One of them is because, you know, like I, I studied Greek in grad school. I am, um, you know, uh, interested, but don't have the time to learn Japanese. And as when you look at other languages, I have never heard anyone pray in tongues in anything that sounded, and I don't mean like sounded like a language. I'm saying that even resembled language it's like language has form and structure and having a language well i think jibber jabber is probably a good term for to this like to describe what i've always heard it just Can sounds you give like us a little gibberish. i'd love to hear jack when you did oh ellen tweet, no just hold on when you <laughs> when you thought jack is not gonna do that jack is not gonna tongues, was it more of like a no. Should about Honda, but a Hyundai kind of thing, or was mm. it about a yellow bow tie? What are we? I would say, you know, what's how about this one? See my tie come and tie oh, my tie. See my tie come and tie my tie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're all blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I, and we have no shot of redemption. Well, I don't at this believe point. in. Go I ahead, Jack. I don't believe in hell, so I, I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> uh, I, I was 15, 16, and my. You know, having the language include a lot of S's, a lot of L's, a lot of B's. Did you roll? A lot of THs. Did you roll your R's? I, I can't. I can barely roll my R's now. Always got me trouble in Spanish class. Hmm. Ellen, did you ever think you spoke in uh, tongues? No, and I always felt like I wasn't left out. Well, I always felt left like out. something was wrong, or I wasn't close enough to God because I, you know, grew up in a very Pentecostal situation and. Like even in my youth group, when we went to summer camp, like people were being slain in the spirit and you'd have the spirit of mm. laughter and the spirit of tongues come over you and everybody was shaking and it, and now yeah, and I I, I'm convinced. I don't know if we talked about this, but I did fake it once. And then I, and in that moment I realized everyone else was faking it. Yeah. I am convinced that most people are faking so that they can fit in. But then I know people, like my first cousin, she was slaying the spirit. I was like, what does that feel like? She's just like, I was just completely out cold. And I saw the pastor did not pop her in the face really hard. So, but let me, let me tell you all this. To this day, I mean, Jack, I, I went to churches, and I'm assuming Ellen too with what she just said. I went to churches where someone 
would feel the spirit and they would be like, I got to do this. Yeah, right. And they would start speaking in tongues really, really yeah. loud and everybody would be super quiet. <laughs> to this day, when someone translated it and it was a first person from God, it gives me chills. And I don't even know if it's true. Like, I don't even no. know if that happened, but, but I'm also, like, why oh, does that, God is speaking. Don't you think it's weird, though, that it only happens in certain cultural parts of the church? Sure. Like, if sure. speaking in tongues, Or what if the Pentecostals are onto something? <laughs> well, but they're getting a lot of other shit wrong. So I don't I don't know. I mean, it's like if if speaking in tongues is no, they're not getting is stuff. so important, then why can't we all do it? Like it's to me, it's just such a, it's such a bogus thing. And, you know, if it happens, cool. I was a pastor's kid and my dad would always carry around his oil on his keychain, and everybody was just getting anointed with oil and pushed to the ground. And I just, I think it's just wacky duty shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not comfortable in those scenarios anymore. At you know, all. I had a whole like two year Pentecostal stint in college or not college in high school. Was this before you got super into Mark Driscoll? Mm hmm. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. Was this, was so this Seacoast influenced? One... Was this Seacoast influenced? Yes. Um, but I went to a different church for like in addition to Seacoast. I went to a Pentecostal church like on Wednesdays. You really so like to my, dabble. Get my fix. A lot of things. Um, I. I, I have I have a story not not for here. Uh, it's a it's a longer deal. Um, so you literally but, uh, just told us that you have a story and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's involved. <laughs> there would be many questions. You can um, do that for your Patreon. It supporters. is yeah. It is. I, what I would say is it is probably it might be the most embarrassing thing from <laughs> high school. Um, would you ever share it on here? I would love. Yes. To hear. Okay. Yes, yeah. and and after we're done recording, I'll I'll tell you a little bit. Um, yeah, because it seems unfair. I'm going to write it in my but notes. It, it, would, it would require a little about. bit more real estate. <laughs> um, well, what I would say is like one of the things for me is even when I prayed in tongues, I always felt kind of silly because I'm like, you know, but I do know a language. Yeah, like, I use it every day. <laughs> like you could also just pray in the language that you know. And yeah, well, and the New Testament is full of Jesus being like, "Hey, when you pray." don't pray like these guys pray in this super simple way. And then it's mm-hmm. like, but by the way, there's also this other thing that you don't even <laughs> understand. And I just want you to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's hard for me to square. Yeah. That's I'll put this in the show notes. Cause I don't know what episode it is, but I had a guy I'll on here. I had a guy on here a long time ago who basically thinks that evangelicals, Pentecostals have invited an evil spirit into their midst. And I'm telling you, it's when you see, so I I wasn't a part of the Pentecostal stuff where people like have weird, crazy neck movements that are, I mean, and he showed clips. It's like a YouTube video. He showed clips of that and then compared it to clips of people that were into stuff that we would all say is kind of dangerous and evil. And it is crazy 
the similarities yeah. of movements and things and it's oh it feels like- i think that that is that stuff is is really 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 real because i've yeah. seen it i've witnessed it i have seen an impression of a body press into a blanket before yeah well i do think like with with the um you know the being slain the sphere and all that stuff I, I think one of the deals is humans are also very suggestible and mass hysteria is a thing. And if you get a group of people together and you get emotions going real high, people get real suggestible real fast. Um, there is one of the things that, that Laura and I do, we haven't done for a couple of years, but there's a, a Renaissance festival up near Charlotte. Um, oh, you're one of those. Lot of fun. You guys are those kinds oh, of people. Yeah. Okay. You just painted a picture. And, uh, Thanks. It's a ton of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, but one, one of the little like shows they do is there's a, there's a hypnotist there and it's just, it's hilarious oh, it's awesome. because he will knock people over and have an entire, like a row of people just like fall asleep. And it's just like, yeah, humans are super suggestible. Mm-hmm. We'll do all sorts of stuff and, and, and think that it's, you know, totally out of our control. And uh, it's like, look, I have no trouble thinking that people have real experiences of being laid out, but a real experience physically is not a real experience spiritually necessarily and if you are in a super charged environment where that is happening and you want it to happen to you yeah it's probably gonna happen to you yeah i agree plus it's not like oh my gosh all of a sudden my mouth is moving like you kind of just start you like you make the sounds and you move you know i just Joey, give me a little bit of your uh, speaking in tongues. I'm not going to speak in tongues right now. It'd be weird. Derek Webb, man, I have I have met you once at a bad Christian conference and interacting with you a, a, a little bit. There's two different sorts of nice people. There's nice people that they're, they're just nice. They're like really nice. And then there's a whole deeper level of nice in the territory of I can't imagine that person being angry and I can't imagine that person having rage you're like the nicest sweetest guy do you ever rage do you ever get really mad and what does it look like (laughs) i have absolutely in my many years and especially in my younger years i absolutely have had like anger rage issues and i have and well and so here's here's what i'll say is when i was younger i processed and expressed every, almost every emotion through anger. And so I, I yeah. really, it wasn't until after years of great therapy that I was able to like feel and express sadness and grief. Like my gut instinct is always to, if there's an injustice or something that's happening with a friend or whatever it is, I want to oh jump in front of them or beside them and fight um, to make it right. That's easy. Like anger is easy for me. 
but to sit with them and weep or to grieve, like that's so much harder for me. And so the anger thing has been so much easier. And so when I was younger, that was like, it, it wasn't healthy. I mean, everything came through that filter. And, and then I eventually just in the last like 10 years, um, figured out maybe even less figured out how to like feel all the various emotions properly in a healthy way and not channel them all through one thing. And, and, and I kind of, uh, relate it to, I, there's this great quote by John Lennon when he was asked about his protest of the, uh, Vietnam war and all the bed-ins and and sit-ins and things that he and Yoko Ono did and stuff. They asked him like, why are you so obsessed on peace? Why is it such an obsession for you? And he's, and he said, because I know myself to be such a violent man. And, and I, that's kind of how I feel about my, my adult expression of like anger when it's appropriate. Um, rage is rare. Um, it, that's rarely it's, and honestly, like that's any extreme is like more, more rarely appropriate, but like, yeah. And I think it's also like a combination of going, it's all that and going through hard things, you know, like, and, and yeah. you, you just, you get more aware of everyone's Whoa. vulnerability and every, everyone processing hard things that you probably don't know about. And it just, I, it, it tends, it has tended to make me a lot more, uh, a lot slower to, to judge a gut reaction if somebody is. So it's just stuff like that. I know you, I'm sure you didn't mean for, for me to launch into this right off the top, but it's really interesting because I see myself as like, it, um, I, I think I, the, the, the image I have in my head of my typical reaction to anything is that yeah. I'm like raging constantly. And I, and I, <laughs> because I just see, I can't shake it. Like I still see myself that way. So anytime like my wife and I are having a conversation, you know, and we're both very spirited, you know, raging Enneagram five, yeah. like intellectual types. And so we'll be talking about, and I'll just start apologizing for no reason. She's like, do, do you think that you, you seem angry right now? And I was like, maybe she's like you're fine you're totally fine like stop give yourself a break so (laughs) hey let let me ask you this because you do a lot of yeah you do a lot of interviews and i'll just go and be straight up if my wife was on here and she does this with me sometimes she would have never let me ever let me get by with that initial question she'd be like what are we doing what we got to know like how's his married life and like what's he working on and and like where was he born and i'm like Priscilla, do you so i want to ask you do you do you prefer jumping into something like that or did it catch you off guard in an uncomfortable oh 100 i prefer that because i and because I'm the type who, because um, for me it makes better podcasting. It just oh, does because anytime you listen to an interview, it's like you always start the same place, and it's like you know what we kind of care, but yep. we kind of just want to really get in. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I and I never like knowing questions beforehand and stuff like that. Some people like to send you questions like, oh, here's what we're going to talk about. I delete those yeah. emails. I never want to know <laughs> because I shoot better from the hip, you know. So no, I love hey, it. I love it. I love you. Thank you. Good. Hey, so there there is a there. I don't know if this. I don't know if does it qualify does an elephant in the room qualify if it's not an elephant for everyone. There's an elephant in the in me and Jack's room. Okay. And that is that Jack is a longtime admirer. And Jack comes on here all the time and hosts. And so when I was like, oh, I got Derek Webb on here, I was like, Jack, that'd probably be interesting for you. Uh-huh. But but Jack, we've got to kick off with your classic line of the three people that you admired in your college days. Oh, so, so, yeah. so Derek Webb knows what sort of company he keeps in your head. Well, okay. 
you know, okay. So, well, first of all, first of all, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I will do the rare thing of giving you a compliment, Joey, which is, you know, whatever fraught with peril. But um, I actually think there's one of the things that makes you a good interviewer is because you are uh, unpredictable. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a great line that John Cleese um, has, which is he always prefers rude questions. Yes. Because they're interesting. <laughs> like he's a guy who's been doing interviews for 60 years. Oh he's like, there's nothing you're going to ask him right. that he has not been asked one 30 times already. And two by people way more important than. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, he's like, look, just, he loves rude questions because they're interesting. <laughs> I'm into that. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So um, I, I think that usually when Joey asked me to be on, I, you know, it's 50, 50, whether I've heard of the people or not, <laughs> um, which is fun. You know, Joe, Joe, you're, you're good at kind of knowing uh, kind of the, chemistry of you know like who would be who yeah. would be hey, Derek, how about this jack and i interviewed yeah. one of the head honchos of westboro baptist that was a doozy that was an absolute that was a weird gotta to listen to that one okay. oh we got I so many good yeah. sound clips from that that was that was interesting but but anyway so i think and usually i'll you know i, I gotta think about it look at my schedule and i will say with well, this one, i was like don't need to look i'm gonna say yes <laughs> man um, well by the end matter, of our time together uh, i think i will have remedied whatever fan <laughs> may be of mine no well well so well here, here's what i'll say um is first of all um you know if you're an enneagram five and I, I at that point i wouldn't even care if i knew who you were um you know that there's 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 a connection uh it's the only there good we number go. so you must be a five uh, also. oh there we go oh, yeah yeah 100 um so anyway so yeah when when i was so you know kind of grew up in the church um and you know joey and i work at the same church i've been there for 27 okay. years um attending and working for the last uh like 11 i think and um and so anyway so grew up my whole life in the church and in particular flavor of church um you know evangelical mega church though like when i started wasn't a mega church just kind of yeah. grew into it and so um got to college um uh, and, you know, just kind of went through that season of, um, I hate this. I hate everyone. Yeah. I hate me. Um, I don't want to be a part of any of this anymore. It's all fake. It's all a joke. Like, like I remember this Sunday that I'm like, wait a minute, they do too fast, too slow every week. <laughs> I've cracked the code. Uh, and, and then, you know, you like, you have that obligatory car ride where you're listening to, um, you know, like secular music. And it makes you, it kind of gets you going. You're like, wait a minute. That's the same feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, the, spirit, the spirit's and, always moving or it never moves at all. Yeah. It's like the spirit likes creed. Yeah. That's neat. We're going to talk. Um, about spirit. And so, and so anyway, so, you know, kind of, you know, 18, 19 going through all this stuff and like, don't have to do with any of it. And, um, and so, you know, kind of all through college and along with, you know, some of my friends and, and a lot of, you know, Seacoast people who I knew really well and, um, you know, I kind of had that moment at Seacoast towards the end of my college where I was like, well, but I love mm. these people. Uh, maybe yes. I'm the problem. And, and I kind of, you know, fuck, I'd saying that's mm. interesting. What if you zero in on that a little bit? Um, but part of that, through all of that, there were sort of three guys who, um, you know, who I listened to and, um, and, you know, really kind of helped me work out mm. a lot of my stuff. And that was you, that was Rob Bell and that was Mark Driscoll. <laughs> um, Joey was and waiting for that. <laughs> the last one is the funniest for me. It's like, incredible. 
And, you know, I don't want to say that like, like we're all in different places sure, now. Sure. Let's say that we're all in different places. We're doing different things. Um, but, you know, honestly, one, one of the things all, you know, I've said with that is and and not in any sense, you know, like one of the one of the things about the, the Marcel podcast right now that, that I, I felt was a little unfair is uh, Rob Bell being lumped into that mm. category because um, I feel like just what, you know, kind of the journey mm. he has been on. And Mars, like such a, in some of the names, you know, that are alongside those, like that's, that is hmm. to me really kind of hmm. not fair. Um, just a total different category. Yeah. Um, but anyway, for me, one of the things has been, you know, really good in a sense to see, and obviously not just this, you know, not just you and those two, but kind of the, a lot of people that are either, you know, kind of, you know, way up here in terms of influence or recognition and seeing them go through all these things, it's kind of like, you know, uh, the uh, put not your trust in princess kind of becomes a life verse yeah. in a sense. And, and I think, you know, in a sense, it's like, it's very, it's a very yeah. healthy thing. And I kind of feel like the thing that I feel like a lot of evangelicals are going through over the last few years, whether it's Hybels or Ravi Zacharias mm-hmm. or Mark Driscoll or, you know, Carl Lentz mm-hmm. or whoever, I kind of feel like I did that like 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, or 10 years ago, because it was kind of, you know, not all at once, but, and not in the, oh, I'm so disappointed in you, but in the, huh, so, so this person that I had a ton of respect for that, whose work made a big impact mm-hmm. on me and my relationship with God, it's like, how do I, how do I work through this? And how do I deal with where they are? How do I feel about them? How do I yeah. feel about that? What does that mean about their stuff that they did before? How do I interact with that? How do I interact with the role it played in my life? Does that mean that that was, you know, and so um, it, it's it's sort of like it's really easy, I think, for people to say, well, you know, they were there and now they're here and I don't like that. And so I'm just going to jettison who they are and what impact they had in my life. Um, and and that's that's really not how I feel about any of those three, in part because I think it's really important to understand why someone and why their work had that impact on you as a person. Um, yeah. So sweet. Well, I really appreciate sweet. you saying so. I mean. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the more complexity we can introduce to every situation and every person and every, you know, the better, because it, it, it is, it is, it is, and is increasingly complex. And so you, you, you can, people have every right to reduce it and make it simple and say, oh, well, here's a piece of information that I don't like, um, or can't hold together with all the others, and so I'm going to have to just kind of with a blunt instrument, just kind of lop off some somebody or something or someone's, you know, uh, work or influence on, you know, and, and rethink that whole part of my life. And if that's, I mean, if that's what people, I tend to think that everything's kind of like a Rorschach, everything, just everything. And, you know, and I, I, there was a point at which a few years ago where I was, I said something about that, about that idea. And I was saying that I don't, I don't. I'm not convinced anymore that there's any such thing as objective criticism so much as there is unintentional confession. And I think what happens is people, the way that they look at and see and respond to things says, in my opinion, a lot more about the grid through which they are looking at those things or their ability to hold great complexity together often than it says by a long shot about the, the object the thing, the person that they're looking at. And, um, so, 
you know, I think that's cool. The lastly, I would say that I think that your head is, is easily the only place that the three of us w- would probably hang out. <laughs> um, but I'm, honored, hey, you know I'm who... honored to be there. <laughs> so. It's, it's the Mount Rushmore in Jack's head only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know who, I mean, you know who right. the big one was for me. And I actually, I have a journal in college and I literally just wrote for one day, what the heck is up with Dave Bazan? Right. Do you know who Dave Bazan is, Derek? Oh, yeah. He's a great pal of mine. For, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, and, and here's what it was. Dave was still a Christian at the time, yeah. but he said, fuck. Sure. And I was like, my whole world yep. turned upside down. I was like, what in the world just yeah. happened? Yeah. yeah. It's super good, <laughs> so, though. I mean, that's... Yeah. Oh, he's still my favorite artist. No offense, Derek. I love your stuff, too. Bro, I will <laughs> gladly sit anywhere behind Dave Bazan. So here's where I'm at. Just a little background, Derek, is... And, and you could imagine how this gets me in trouble in evangelical circles is I pretty much... I am still a Christian. I... I I sometimes will check the Apostles' Creed, and I'm like, "Yep, yep, 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 I'm good." I just believe that Jesus saves everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm even scripturally convinced that if if the Bible points to anything more than anything else, that's what it points to, mm-hmm. and, and and that's not just a. Uh, I want to believe what I want to believe as much as it's like, ah, oh, golly, I think Paul was convinced for sure, mm-hmm. and so I. I don't think I'll ever get away from this even and and being a universalist it does help me see more beauty in people it's like when you when you see everything in heaven and hell and and I will give this that not all evangelicals were obsessed with it like I was <laughs> but I was just obsessed with it so it's like I had a hard time enjoying the beauty in some people because I was like I got to make sure they don't go to hell right. sort of thing and so now where I'm at it's like man I can really enjoy people more but I don't think I'll ever be able to shake this like I get excited when people that I really love and respect are on my team because I'm like, oh, this is really awesome. Like this is really so and I want to like shed that, but when I saw an Instagram post, and this is what I want to obviously get into, mm. the Jesus hypothesis, mm. it it just like how you did it, how you presented it is just brilliant. Mm. But I don't know if 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 this is what you're after or not, but when you look at that picture, it's like Oh my gosh, Derek Webb is starting to question his questions and he may be looking into being a Christian and he's working at a church and oh my gosh, this is awesome. He's going to join my team again. It's like that, uh, that Iraq meeting where they, it's like, we got him, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. So Derek, uh, I do great. want to know, like, tell us about this project. Yeah. I purposely did not dig too deep because I want to find out on on the air like what what is the Jesus hypothesis what's going on man yes. what's Derek Webb now compared to Derek Webb two years ago like has is there like this big change right or am I looking too much into no, it no you can't look too much into I mean I I um it's it's definitely uh, fascinating to me I I I don't see I I have not managed to see my way around a couple of these corners. And I've been just as surprised as anybody at kind of what transpires. I have always, always, um, in my creative life, which typically is a outpouring or expression of my personal life, um, uh, followed coordinates. Uh, And, and I even used that language to describe it. I've always used that language to describe it, that I'm just like, I'm just kind of 
I'm following coordinates. I don't always exactly know where, what something's leading to or what the point of it is or what, but I, I can trust my gut enough to know what the next step is. And I will run all the way there and then look for, uh, more coordinates, you know, from there. And, um, and so the coordinates that led to this particular moment where I am working on, uh, writing this record, the Jesus hypothesis, just the, even the, the whole idea of this record. And then on top of that, um, well, a few years ago, uh, nearly a few years ago, uh, uh, when I got remarried to, uh, Abby Parker and she's in this band called I Am They and they're a, uh, a, a pretty big, uh, Christian worship band. Um, so now we're going to hold those two things together. And then <laughs> that I have even here more recently taken a position, uh, at, uh, to be fair, a very progressive, but, uh, church here in, uh, Nashville called Grace Point Church. Um, and all of this about seven or eight years after the fingers crossed album, where that was basically my, you know, tale of two divorces, horizontal and vertical kind of coming out of a lot of things and pulling kind of a lot of it down on my way out. And, um, and, uh, you know, and even the record that followed that was the, the targets record, which, which I call kind of a joyously defiant or defiantly joyous, however you want to look at it, you know, record about a kind of unbelief and love and, you know, about get, about meeting my wife and, and just going further into, you know, kind of finding my way through spirituality in a, in a new way after kind of, uh, deconstructing as a lot of people will call it. Um, and so, yeah, I could not have imagined being in this particular moment and all of these things happening all at the same time like this. And, and it certainly does feel to, to, to gently, um, you know, tiptoe back into some triggering theological language. It feels a little designed and it feels a little orchestrated to me. It definitely drops into the question mark box in terms of like, you know, but in the same way, you know, what I always say is in the same way that a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, and if you catch it during that, those two seconds of the day, when it is correct, you, you could be tempted to believe that it, it, it has information for you and that the, and to sign meaning to what it says. And, and in the same way, you know, I think about the, the hundred billion moments in any given day that where things don't occur in a sequence that appears meaningful or, or designed or significant, um, you know, that we only remark when things do appear that way. And statistically they're bound to sometimes. And so where somebody might say, well, isn't that just like the Lord? I might say, well, right. But what about the hundred billion other moments today that everything seemed completely chaotic and random and right. occasionally things do appear like they have some meaning in sequence. Now, uh, that's why we remark about them, because it's remarkable when it does happen. And it doesn't happen often. But um, all that to say, yeah, I mean, who, who knew? Who, who, certainly not me. And uh, what kind of got me here, and I can say it as, I'll say it as briefly as I can. Um, one thing I got, I came out of my big, I'll continue to use the word deconstruction because it's a pretty handy shorthand. And I think most people kind of know what you mean when you say it. Um, yeah. although it, Jack, he really is on our team, but it's a, ahead, but Derek. it's a word that I'm trying to say <laughs> less often because typically when you ask 10 people to define a word, you get 10 different definitions. You should immediately stop using that word because it has no meaning, uh, anymore. And it, and it will only m mislead people if you use it, um, you know, uh, in a cavalier way. And so I don't love using the word de deconstruction anymore because it, just like the word evangelical, just like the word 
Um, emo. Emo, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, when people have their own definitions and they're gonna, their own connotations, then you agree to that word and they're going to impress and, and project all that onto you. And uh, that's, not, that's not wise always. But um, th- just the whole audit that I did a handful of years ago of all the presumptions I had about reality, um, that process left me kind of permanently uncertain about invisible, unknowable things. So invisible things like God, unknowable things like the future. Um, it left me permanently uncertain about those things. And that's a thing I hope to never shake. I hope to never find certainty about those things because I don't believe that, that uncertainty is the enemy of faith. I think it's the prerequisite of faith. And um, not that I have faith, uh, faith to claim at this point. I don't. Um, but what it did was it was a combination of that permanent uncertainty that I really love and enjoy. Um, and, and the fact that I'm wired in such a contrary way that when I did come out of it and I went up with a lot of friends and in a lot of conversations with people who were talking about their own, let's say deconstruction, um, and they were talking about how open they were now and how much better it was and how much they really preferred. Now I'm just so open to like anything. And I'm here, my friends and my, I've got my, my friend who does tarot and, and hearing all the meaning that she assigns to that and has found in that. And I, my friends who were here and there and all these different places and have other major world religions. And, and what I didn't hear a lot of was anybody holding space also to come into new information about the thing they had previously believed just previously. And so it seemed like there was a little double talk um, about how open people were. And I kind of found myself falling into that a little bit. Like, man, see, I don't want to be like that. And, and so I, I do want to be open to and create opportunities to be in conversations and hear more about uh, increased complexity about evangelical Christianity or just theism, Christianity in general, whatever. And um, as I thought about that and talked to my wife and my friends about it, um, what I slowly started to realize, um, is that maybe, and I use the word maybe a lot. I actually had the, the, the Latin word for it tattoo. That was my birthday tattoo this year. Um, nice. but maybe, uh, you know, it wasn't so much a phrase that I really like to use. And I've used this phrase actually for decades. It's not a recent phrase, although it sounds like it would be for me is that some gods deserve atheists. Some gods do. And that Maybe it is the God made up of everything that I got wrong that is the one to whom I assigned all meaning and the one who I was intellectually obsessed with for many years and that I constructed and worked on like a Harley, you know, for the majority of my 20s and 30s. Maybe that God deserves an atheist out of me. And maybe we must become atheists to false gods to find real ones if there are any to be found. And so for me, it's like I had to turn. It's like it's the problem wasn't that I had deconstructed. The problem was that I hadn't deconstructed far enough. I needed to go further. I needed to get more specific. I needed to start taking a scalpel to it. And what that meant to me was to, to, to go in and try to it became a fascinating idea to me to even just personally. And here's where the work come here was where the where the where the where the 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 work and the art starts is to go in and reexamine all the presumptions that I fall into by default when I start talking about God and the Bible. And, and, and the way I know it is my wife and my friends, as we would have conversations about um, spirituality and the unknowable, invisible things and all that sort of thing, they would always laugh at me and say, man, like one minute you sound like, and I don't like categories at all, but I'm going to use them for the quote here. 
one minute you sound like a, you know, a, a, an agnostic, a hopeful agnostic. And the next minute you sound like Calvin. I mean, you sound fully reformed. Like what, like you're like a, you're like a reformed agnostic. Like what, what, what's wrong with you? Because whenever I would fall, it just fall into that rhythm and that language. It was very reformed. And I had this very, and I'm not, I'm not even criticizing reformed theology as a, as a system. I'm just saying that, that was my tradition that was my understanding and the, my study for many years. And I was like, you know what? I need to like deal with that at some point. Not even to prove it wrong or decide that I was wrong about it, but I don't need that to be my default. Like, what if, what if there's problems right in there? And a lot of people would say that they believe there would be. I'm just about uh, Reformed theology in general, and that's fine. And so for me, I knew that's where I needed to go next. I needed to go in and deconstruct further to pull apart all those presumptions, all that default language that had me sounding like a reformed agnostic. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I should document that. Um, maybe that should be the next bit of work. And that should be, and that's where I came up with the idea for the Jesus hypothesis, which is the new record I'm writing now. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the reason that it's, it's lastly, and I'll stop monologuing that it's called that is because, um, Another thing with my permanent uncertainty that I brought with me out of my big audit, my, uh, let's say, deconstruction of the last, you know, five to 10 years was that I don't love the language of belief anymore. I don't love it. I think words matter. I think there's connotations to words. Even if we're not aware of them, we should become aware of them and we should be careful about the words we use. And I try to be careful about language. And when I, when I use the word belief, it brings a lot of things with it. There's a lot of confirmation bias, conclusion bias. There's a lot of weight of it gets high and heavy. And, and, and when you start talking about things, you're believing your beliefs, it just, it's a, it's a word that I would, would not assign at, at right now to anything. I don't think I have any beliefs. I'm not believing anything. What I am doing and what I feel like is a more intellectually honest process for me to go through personally, and this doesn't have to be anybody else's words, um, is I hypothesize in real time. And I think, from a spiritual standpoint, if, if I personally don't believe I can be certain about invisible and knowable things, but what I can do is I can hypothesize about them and I can hopefully lead forward towards some hypotheses that I test in real time. And I think that is what I will go on doing until I'm done, uh, until death reveals, um, what's behind all those curtains and, and, uh, on the other side of those murky windows. And so it's like, um, so the best I can do is to go back at Jesus, to go back at the Bible, to go back at all the presumptions and language that I know and have loved for so long and still really identify. And it's to all the metaphors in my head all come out as Bible, um, to go back to that, to look at it, to try to get free of all the presumptions and default language and theology that I've been married to for so long. And just to look at it and see what's there and what meaning can I find and and it felt like a worthy thing for me personally to do, just maybe some unfinished business, some some unpaid bills. And then also I thought, you know, it felt fair, uh, you know, to do that, to put that on display, which is what I'm now doing. I'm even writing the entire record publicly. I'm It's, it's for my patrons because yep. I need to do it in a safe way. I can't just do it in front of everybody and invite all that criticism into a very fragile, for me, a very vulnerable yep. process of writing the song. But for my patrons, for about 500 or so people you know, um, I'm 14, 13, 14 sessions in, I'm about almost 20 hours in, I'm four songs, almost five, six songs into the process. And literally every minute of it from sitting down with nothing has been, is being documented for the folks who most deeply resonate and with whom I have this, you know, uh, uh, reciprocal, generous kind of relationship. Um, people who I feel safe with, 
I'm doing it in front of them. And I, and it's been a fascinating process. And I, do you ever, less than anybody knows where it's going. Like my patrons yeah. know more about where I'm at and where it's going than I do right now. So it's been fascinating. Anyway. Do you ever have someone that pays to be a pat- a patron just to troll you and you have to boot them out of the... <laughs> I have not had to boot anybody, but I definitely yeah. with a few people feel as though they probably did come in. Maybe they were, they were so hurt or disappointed at some point by me about something that they were willing to pay for a few months just to come in and maybe, you know, uh, get in proximity to, to bury the knife a little deeper. And, uh, and that's okay because what I would love is for them to stick around long enough to realize that we probably have more in common than they think. Um, and that as we add increased complexity, even to them, they'll find that maybe they do still resonate in some way with the questions I ask, you know, and so maybe they would want to stick around. And I I do feel like I've won a few people over, but maybe, (laughs) So interesting. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, so thanks for asking that. I think, sure. I, I, at this point, we're like, all right, great. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I, I, I just basically talked for 25 minutes or whatever. Um, hey, I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people do that, but not everybody does it. And it's interesting. So. <laughs> Dude, well, it, it's a yeah. it's a nightmare. Like sometimes I'll 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 try to get in there and interject, but there's some people that just feel so unnatural to interrupt them. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't know how to edit this episode. I still have right. one episode. I don't know how to do it. And it's just yeah. sitting there and I do well, not know how to do it. Well, so you know, at least your monologues yeah. are interesting. I think you know me well enough <laughs> to know that I, I welcome interruption. I mean, I, you know, cause oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just totally. stop me and re totally. me and let me go again. And you know, and, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So one thing you said that was, that was really interesting. Um, the, you know, kind of the back to the, the, some gods deserve atheists and the idea of like, when you look at this God that you've been working on and, you know, so for me, one of the things, well, I, I have a lot of thoughts um, uh, is so, well, see, this is what happens. See, people think fives don't talk. <laughs> and then they get in the situation where five actually has something to say. And they are like, where are the exits? <laughs> see, my um, wife is a, is a, is also a five. And, but we're very different fives. She's a very internal processor. I'm a verbal processor. So I learn everything about my opinions by hearing them come out of my mouth. She, she <laughs> internalizes and then comes back a few hours or a few days later. And, ha- and she's, I mean, she's incredible. I mean, she's a, she's meticulous in, in her logic. And, um, but so I totally, I totally understand. I'm just a very verbal five, apparently. No, I'm, I'm a verbal yeah. processor too. So if your wife ever needs to like, you know, counsel, my wife can. Okay. You know, how they deal with us. Yeah. And vice versa. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how she deals with it. It, it drives her crazy. Would it be fair um, to the point you're making? And maybe sure. this will help you along. Yeah. I think surely that's what all of us are doing in that we are constructing a God of our understanding. Uh, I think everyone is doing yeah. this. I think anybody who's not willing to admit that the God in their head, the point at which anybody says the God in whom I am believing and that I have found is the one true objective God. I think that's a dangerous way to think because yeah. we always have to remain in a posture to coming into new information and realize, oh, there even my understanding of that God might have problems and might have biases, biases, yeah. and might might there might be some confirmation bias in the way that I'm even looking and processing it. I might need to be willing to let go of and rethink some things. And so I think the more we can all think about the gods who we're believing in potentially being at, at very least the the bits that we do feel like we can understand and that we do feel like seem true and it, with a capital T that we're yeah. assembling that 
but we don't have a full understanding and that we might need to rethink and reprocess and audit every so often, I think is a healthy way to go about it. You know, that's the uncertainty part for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there is like, we, we, we don't just do it with God. We do it with other people. Like, so one of the things that, so I'm, I'm doing a, a wedding this weekend. And one of the things that I, I mentioned, like in every wedding message I do is you have this image of this person you were marrying in your mind of what they are. And you are going to start trying to make them into mm. that. And you have to stop because yeah. they, they cannot be that person because they are not that and person. Listen and, and they're yeah, doing the same yeah, thing yeah. to you. And so it, it's like this, yeah, it's this constant realization that like in every moment, uh, we're trying to make God yeah. in our image. And this is one of the things that I mentioned, like the Joey's heard me say, I like so many times in different podcasts is, you know, so I, I found reformed theology when I was in college and, um, uh, and it, it really, really resonated with me in a lot of ways. And then, you know, years later, um, probably about seven, eight years ago, I was just thinking one day and I kind of realized like, oh, I don't think I am anymore. And not like a wholesale rejection of, you know, again, these are the points that I now reject. It was more like the, oh, I don't think that's who I am anymore. And the realization I had was that the thing about the God of Reformed theology that I loved was that it was me. Like, it was me. It was my image. It's like he he used power the way that I would use power. Mm-hmm. He had the ability to pick and choose in ways that I would do. And so it's not even now a wholesale, re- kind of like you said, it's not a wholesale re- rejection of this system. Um, it's more realizing that what that system, what I liked about that system um, was that it reflected mm-hmm. my view of how I thought reality mm-hmm. should be. And because of that, it's a really bad system for me to live within because all it does is turn me inward mm-hmm. on myself. Um, and all it does is reinforce, um, in a lot of cases, the, the parts of me that need to be mm. refined. Well, and to be fair, you know, um, if, if the, you know, the, 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 the typical biblical languages that we're, we're, uh, humans are made in God's image. And so there, there, there may be some, uh, uh, real estate on which, you know, it, there's a blurred line in terms of like, you know, a certain version or understanding uh, or, or tradition of God seems too much like me. It's like, well, or, or do I seem like him? And that could be okay. Yeah. And, uh, cause I, cause I, I yeah. yeah, cause I'm with you. I, I don't want anybody to hear me actually even offering really any criticism, uh, on any, on either side of reformed theology as an idea or a, or a theological system or whatever. Um, I just knew that for me, I needed, it was important for me to, to dissect it and to audit it and to pull it apart um, you know, just yeah. because, uh, yeah, because you, you don't realize you're doing it. You don't realize that you're confirmation and conclusion biasing everything when that's the, your yeah. Goal. Yeah. Well, and so, so, you know, the, the, the deal is, and kind of like you said, yeah, like, yes. So we're made in the image of God and, and certainly what I believe. And so, but like attendant with that is the realization because it's only half. And to me, the other half is, oh, wait, so if every single person is unique and every single person is made in the image of God and every single person reflects God in a way that no one else mm-hmm. does. And to me, what that means is you, you need to get to know and interact with as many people as you can, because what you want to do is you want to surround yourself with people that will, like you said, will reinforce what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's not good because what, what we want to do is we want to say, all right, we've got this picture. We like this picture. So we're going to do everything we can to make this yeah. the picture. And everyone and anyone who says that this is not the picture, they can't be a yeah, part of yeah. our thing because yeah. we don't want that. Um, and, and you know, the, the other thing that for me, this is like to, this conversation is, I think, really helpful in general because 
Um, one of the one of the thoughts I had, you know, a few years ago, and I think it was, I, mean, I guess that was last year, a couple of years ago, with with Josh Harris, you know, kind of coming out. One of the things that you know, I thought about him, and I thought about you a little bit, and some you know some of the other people, and it's like these are not just moments in time where it's like boop, flip the switch, now I'm this way. And and knowing now knowing that you're a five, there's also like this ah yes because it's like this no I'm always doing right. this. This is not like and so for you know Joey a couple weeks ago you asked me like a have you deconstructed anything and I kind of didn't know how to answer that because I guess what I would say is I'm always like I'm mm-hmm. always processing and it's like it how you do things how you do everything there's there's an element of how uh, yeah, right. of that you can detect in almost in almost anything uh, yeah. 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 And so like when people say, you know, like what's God doing in your life? It's like, I don't know. Like ask me in five mm-hmm. years, I only what are you talking yeah. about? If I know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And so kind of the, the you know, idea of this, like, oh, this, this is something that is always happening. And, you know, it's sort of like you said, like the, it's not that this is a thing that is happening now and it is not happening. That's more, where do I turn this thing? Like, where do I focus this thing that I am always doing? The other thing I often think about, and this is not trying to veer to another lane, but um, is kind of the whole, like, it's a wonderful life syndrome. I, I always think like, um, while I'm, my instinct might be and my strong desire in the past, in the recent past has been to, that, uh, that I could wishing that I could change certain things about my, uh, my life or my behavior over the years or my, you know, my story, things I, I just wish I could change. And if I could go back, I, I, I think I would change. But the thing, the problem is that the moment that I'm having that perspective and thinking that is a moment that I've only arrived at as a result of all of those things. Right. Yeah. And, and so if I was to, and, and I think about this with a lot of my, a lot of friends who, uh, whose stories I know, and, and I know the, the really just uh, wrenching parts of their stories and what they maybe realize over time is that the failure or that's either been, you know, done to them, people who have failed them or the ways they have failed others, that what you learn or the adaptation that you go through, um, the, the, the crucible that it puts you in over time is kind of where many people get their superpowers. You know, it's like where you learn your extreme empathy or kindness. It's where you learn um, great humility or where you learn uh, a, a deep, and this is, this is for me one, just a deep, unshakable sense of gratefulness. Like I am so deeply, I'm writing, I'm writing about this for the new record um, uh, th- that I, I'm so, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for like everything. It's like, I'm almost, it's almost like a weird um, like I tell my wife, I tell my kids so often, I tell the people I work with so often that because I went for so long in different seasons of my life and, and really early seasons, even like early Cademan's years and all through my life, just not realizing what I had and how, and how great it was. And I was so either entitled or I don't know what it was, but I just, I wasn't grateful. I wasn't, I wasn't behaving like a grateful person and I didn't treat it with the kind of care that you would treat it if you were truly aware of, uh, and, and had a sense of you know, that, that gratefulness. I, I didn't have it. And, uh, but I'm, I do now. And, um, yeah. and it, it, it makes me enjoy my life so much more being aware of the goodness of all the things that are 
in it and it, it the, the the high value that I put on these things um and, you know it's just like preoccupying and I just it's like I'm just kind of like stupidly happy a lot most days just thinking about the all the great things and the things I'm so grateful for in my life that I went so many years not and there's nothing kind of sadder than my friends who have these amazing robust fulfilling lives and they just don't know it and they're not grateful for it and maybe because they've never lost anything or they none of those things were ever threatened to be lost or and and yeah. so I think that going through some hard things sometimes and losing some things sometimes and it, um, whatever it all is, I think can be so tremendously helpful and can teach you so much. You learn so much from being failed and failing um, that I wouldn't trade any of it for anything. And, and this is a a, a very uh, you know God's people through the through the the wilderness on the way to the promised land way of answering your question to say I. I would it have been cooler and easier and, and, you know, simpler and cleaner for me to have like discovered a version of progressive Christianity about five years ago? And yeah, but I, all of the nuance and complexity about who I am as I sit before you today, I wouldn't have any of that. And I wouldn't trade that for anything at this point, you know? So. Yeah. And I think it also, for me, it's, and I understand there's a lot of people that need to process ang mm -hmm. anger and they have a really good reason for Absolutely. doing so. And I, I would assume how a lot of your former fans uh, back in the day treated you. I don't, I don't know if there was some, some anger there, but I could, I could imagine yeah. that. But I think there needs to be people like you. Um, I'll put myself in, in, in the category also of knowing evangelicals so well. You just can't be mad because you you were there, right. and you just know how their heart beats. You know that it's coming from a place of sincerity. I mean, that's what it like is. you know when they're scaring people on the street corner, they really think that they should be doing right. that. It's yeah, like it's when people it's, reach it's like out and they and and they even if they try to kind of Jesus juke me into you know something if I say something online and people come back and and have a response and they're like it's how they're you know praying and that I'll eventually return to something. And I, I try to, in a gentle way, you know, say like, actually nobody ever returns to anything. Like we, we don't, you don't go back, you only go forward. And, and I will not go into a previous version of anything where I have ever been before. That's not how time and life works. But, but what I will say to them, or at least think is, you know what I receive though, this, I receive this as an expression of care. I know that's what you're trying to communicate. Even if you are really fumbling over your, your code language that you use to, to talk about these sorts of things. I do receive it and I do appreciate it. And, and yeah, so then there's that kind of, and I forgive you for, you know, apparently only loving me if I return to the world as you see it, as opposed to maybe going to a truer or at least temp, at least, you know, something I, that I resonate with and is the coordinates on my way to a better, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's true. It's empathy. It's being able to literally uh, see the world through by the, from the perspective of someone else. And it's an invaluable thing. And I'm, I'm so grateful I have yeah. it, you know, uh, at least for yeah. some yeah, people, well, for those and, people. And, you know, like, like, especially with yeah. the anger, this is, so this is something that occurred to me like 20 years ago when the Da Vinci code came out, because like I worked in Barnes and Noble and, you know, you know, went to see guys, people just lost their minds. One of the things I realized, because like I, I read the book and, you know, I was in college studying the Bible, but also like a big, always been a big church history guy. I'm like guys, this thing's ridiculous. Yeah. Why are why are any of you getting upset about this? And I kind of realized, like, oh, you're not sure if you believe it. 
Um, and, and at the heart of uh, at the heart of a lot of reactive anger, like not all anger is the same, but at the heart of a lot of reactive anger is stop making me wonder if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, right. Fear, right. Fear. Because it's like, well, wait a minute. If this guy that I looked up to doesn't believe that, then well, what if I'm? And so it's much easier just to be mad at the person, and instead of actually, sure. you know, dealing with with it yourself. And my deal is, yeah, following yeah. the feeling back to its. Yeah, that, that's a symptom of what. So let's follow, let's pull that thread and yeah. follow it back to, and, and deal with whatever it is that it's triggering. But it, but it's it's the cheaper, easier way to just project it onto the yeah. person who's scapegoating it in in your mind, and then yeah, well, and, like and the reality it. is, uh, if if fear, that is yeah. the level, like if that is the level of faith you have, that's not enough to hold you, and you're going to lose it too, and it's just a matter of time. Right. Um, and that's like, like so much right. of that anger. It's just, it is just insecurity of, I'm not sure I believe this either. And I'm mad at you for vocalizing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so much of the, the, the uncertainty piece of kind of the grid through which I'm kind of looking at, at the world and that being a new feature of that grid in the last handful of years has really helped me so much to, I don't have as much of that uh, that quick fear reaction. Cause I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm just trying to look at it as honestly as I possibly can process it in real time. Um, and, and move slowly towards the things that resonate the most and make the most sense. And, but it's like the less that I have a, a flag somewhere, um, and that I have to feel like I have must defend that flag. And I have, and I'm fearful when people challenge it and that little bit of land that I'm, that I've decided, um, it's, it's, it's such, it's such a liberating feeling. Cause you, you, you get free of the team you're on and suddenly you just realize like, but does that even make any sense? Like, are we, is there even enough information for us to organize into teams? Like, do we have that much information? I'm not sure that we do. Um, I'm not sure that anyone would even say that the Bible is the full expression. even people who have a full inspired and errant view of the Bible, even those people, I don't think would say that it is the full though expression of every it, it, at best it could only be the bit that we could possibly understand or process um and there'd be there would have to be so much more um uh you know that we that we just couldn't handle that we would not we would we couldn't even put language around as god would try to describe himself if that's what he's doing in the bible um and so it's like there's you've got to hold the space that there's more you've got to hold the space that it's like you know, like, is it worth us beating up on each other in these ways and dividing for these reasons? Um, do we even have enough information to do that? I'm not sure that we do. I think we should all probably be like, let's just get in the water together and just kind of, and realize that we're in, like, let's put, let's pick our feet up and stop standing up in place and let's get moving and let's see where we're going and let's go there together and let's journey and let's be more committed to doing that together than having to agree with each other as we do it. Because you can't even agree with yourself. I mean, and, and at the very beginning, you were asking me like the, the me of two years ago or whatever it is. And it's like, especially as a songwriter, as a professional autobiographer, you are more, you are made to be more keenly aware of the, 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 um, the paradox of it. And the, you know, like the, um, the, the fact that I am, as I, like, I'm going to, to Colorado this weekend to play a couple of shows. And as I stand bef before those people, I will not be the person who wrote any song that I will perform. I, I, I am not the, the man that wrote any of my old material, any of the Cademan's Call music, not even the guy who wrote the songs on Targets. I'm not. 
if you're healthy, you're constantly churning and changing. You're coming into new information. Uh, you're, you're at least changing your, pers- your perspective in nuanced and small ways. And it's like, so, you know, uh, the performing of any, of any song, I always must say, is not an endorsement of its content, nor could it be. The best that I can do is trust that the person who wrote the songs, when they stood where they stood with the information they had, described the world as honestly and vulnerably as they could. If I believe that they did in that moment, then I will cover that person's, that person's material. Um, but that's the best I'm ever doing is covering another man's material. because, um, And that's why you have to just keep doing it. Like I'm, I, And you yeah. can't ever say that... This version, this language, these songs, this way of saying it, this now is what I believe, and you can count on that. For it's like, nah, I can I can take this snapshot for you, but when I come back to this place later as a slightly different person in the world that I might be trying to capture is slightly different as well. All the variables change. I might not say it the same way. I might not feel the same way about it. I might not even think to describe that particular scene. It might not be particularly meaningful to me. So I will go on describing it again and again and again. Um, the ethic by which I do it has never changed. I, 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 I describe the world. That's, that's an artist's job description that I like, is to look at the world and describe it. That's the job. I'll continue to do it, but it's always going to sound different coming out of me because the world's always changing. I'm always changing. Um, and so, you know, we, we have to be honest about that and not feel that fear and insecurity about the fact that, oh, I've got to go sing songs that describe the world in a way that I don't see it anymore. Of course, that means, that means you're doing great. That means you're doing great. Uh, that means you're, you're changing, you're healthy, you're evolving. Anybody who still agrees with and believes 100% of what they did 2, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago is not a healthy person, not a person you can trust. Yeah. Um, I believe that. Um, but but uh, evangelical Christianity as an idea makes it really hard for people to come in, to, to remain in some kind of knotted up posture to come into new information. Because coming in new information means you have negotiables. If you have negotiables, that means your spirituality might be untrustworthy. That means you're, you're not really, well, you, you, uh, and we were taught yeah, that you want to be open, but too. not, but only to a point. And beyond that point, there must be things that you are non-negotiable about or else that's, that's the very slippery slope. And it's like, yeah. but what else can we do when we are trying to follow and find and believe at our best things about unknowable, invisible things, like we must, we have to remain open all the time. And that doesn't mean you're going to wholesale, it's just like you were saying before, it doesn't mean you're going to wholesale disagree or, or, or disbelieve or leave a thing. It just means I'm going to continue to, pro, I'm going to keep that platform low to the ground and continue to uh, process it and hypothesize about it. Um in real time, I, I don't want to. I want to keep short receipts. I don't want to build it up high and okay. Now here's my beliefs. Now it's my job to defend this little castle um, and to live up high in it. I think that's a terrible way to approach things as mysterious and mystical as religion or spirituality. I just think that's a terrible model. I think that's just a terrible approach. It's no wonder people wind up going through these exhaustive cycles of deconstruction and reconstruction and deconstruction. That's stop constructing eventually is what I came to. Like, why are we constructing? Let's stop, stop believing, start hypothesizing. Like let's, uh, let's, for me, that has been language that I have liked and and it's a, it's a better way for me to go forward trying to do what I have done for, you know, 30 some odd years. Um, You know, it's helpful. It's been helpful for me. And if that's helpful for other people, I hope they'll try that language on and see how it feels, you know? Yeah. And I, 
you know, where my faith is, I can't, I, I just don't believe in a God that would punish you for what you just described. It just doesn't make sense anymore. An honest, loving guy saying, look, I'm doing the best I can. I'm going with what I'm, and you're seeking. I mean, doesn't it say if you seek, you will find. So I just, so I know you got to wrap. I got to pick my son up from a bus stop also, yes. but people can go to DerekWeb.com. One of the names of your songs is Sympathy for Paul. Like, I just want to, I, I just want to hear those lyrics. I love that. Hey, Paul, it's not that I don't believe your story, but you saw the Lord appearing in all his glory. Say, Paul, wonder would it scandalize you if you saw how everyone has canonized you? Like every I do want to end with a question that yes. you have full permission to say. Screw you, not going to answer that. But I, it's a, it's it's. Jo- That'd be it has, a shocker at this point if I yeah, responded. Yeah, yeah. That it way. has Go Joey ahead. written all over. This just this <laughs> just comes from the heart of Joey. If there is something that you could possibly go back to that that people would be shocked, like oh my gosh, Derek believes this again. What is potentially on the table? And would also surprise you. So obviously, it's not on the table. You're not going to revert back to thinking that 90% of the Earth's population is going to burn forever and ever. But what right. would be something that's on the table that you could possibly go back to and you would surprise yourself? I mean, honestly, I think it's probably going to be, it won't be surprising in this conversation, but it might be surprising for people who are just catching up um, with me in general uh, by way of this conversation. I mean, the, the majority I mentioned earlier that the that to my to my patrons and anybody can come and join us and do this and and there's a lot more than just this but these live writing sessions and just the and I'm documenting the whole process till the thing is mastered I mean till the thing comes out I'm gonna all of it's gonna be documented and and uh, live streamed for people to to watch and um and like literally on my table the, I, here where I sit and I do this and I'm working on these songs I'm thinking this stuff through and I'm commentating and working it out um. I have several Bibles and I am, and, and, and in several, at several occasions, it has become like a bizarro Bible study like these. And, and so many of my patrons who came in in the last just handful of years and probably came in, um, because they resonated with the fingers crossed and targets songs and they're not ready. You know, I've had some people fall off cause they're just not ready. They don't want to go there. They're, they're not ready to, to reexamine that they, they, they are still um, needing to be in a reactive distance from it. Um, and, and maybe at some point they will, that's just where I am. Um, but like, I am absolutely, I mean, I I think that all the things we said at the beginning of the conversation, the fact that I've taken, you know, that I'm, I'm the director of content and curation at a, at a, a church in Nashville, you know, at this point, you know, that, I mean, things like that, I'm, I'm programming content. I'm, I'm working directly with the head pastor, you know, it's like, I care a lot about it. And I have never disbelieved in the historical man, Jesus. I, I don't think anybody intellectually can. I, I, there, there's too much even secular history um, to know that he was a real person. He clearly had a profound effect and a disruptive social effect in the way that he bore the 
at least social consequences of all the people that he hung out with. He took their reputations on himself. Even just that is radical, noteworthy, worth investigating, um, worth putting at the center of a spiritual pursuit, um, significant. And I find it as significant and curious and fascinating as I ever have. Um, and I am pursuing that. Um, and, I, and I'm going to continue to pull that thread maybe till it reassembles itself into a garment. Um, you know, if you pull a thread long enough, uh, you run the risk of that happening. And that's the journey I'm on, and I have literally no idea where it's going. So if that's scandalous to somebody, then, uh, you know, then I'm doing my job, and I hope they'll come and, and do it with me. At least do it themselves personally, yep. you know. Well, dude, it's fun watching, it's fun listening, and I'm very glad to know you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to talk always. Great to, great to hang with both of you guys. All right. Love you guys. Hey, I got a jet. I got to go get my son. I'll send y'all okay. a Dropbox link. All right, okay. To keep you Cause the anchor that's weighing you down Oh, it was such an easy yoke When you were young An hypothetical sin Was all done we were so simple then cause some life deserves Question.